0: I think Chris and I have something in common. Winston Parker gave me the same phone call that he gave Chris, and he gave me the same answer when I said, "Do I have any choice in this?" <laughs> and of course, uh, it was the uh, the topic that he assigned me, and uh, Winston and I. Used to be really good friends for a number of years. (laughs) And, uh, he knows that I'll get back to him for this. He knows that. He's been, uh, trying to make up for it all weekend with little niceties here and there. But, uh, it is great to be with you, and I thought I would try to encourage some of us that are north of 50. I know some of you guys are south of 50 still, but, uh, some of us are north of 50. And there are some advantages to being north of 50, getting older. And one of them is people no longer view you as a hypochondriac. Another one is that, you'll like this one, T.J., the things you buy won't wear out. Another one is that you went and got cable TV for the weather channel, <laughs> and the last one is your secrets are safe with your friends because they can't remember them either.
1: <laughs> <Now> I,
0: <laughs> Kenny, you can relate, can you? Uh huh. I have a friend who collects one-liners from country western songs. And any of you like country western here? Yeah, one-liners. And here's, I'm at least going to give you a couple of them. If you want to keep the beer real cold, put it next to my ex-wife's heart. (laughs) Or how about this one? You can just hear this in one of these country western songs. When the phone don't ring, you'll know it's me. (laughs) My wife ran off with my best friend, and I really miss him. How could I miss you if you don't go away? I'm so miserable since you left me that it's almost like having you here. And I'll, I'll tell you, on this, uh, this uh, topic that I was assigned, I'm probably the, uh, uh, the last person that ought to be up here talking about it. I was, as I was thinking about it, I was reminded of a little prayer that I read in one of Bob Foster's newsletters. And it goes like this. It says, Dear Lord, so far I've done all right today. I haven't gossiped, lost my temper, been greedy, grumpy. Nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. I'm really glad about that. But in a few minutes, Lord, I'm going to get out of bed. (laughs) And from then on, I'm going to need a lot of help. And guys, we know that when it comes to the topic that we're talking about tonight, that we do need a lot of help, don't we? We're vulnerable. It maybe is one of the most vulnerable points we have. And Bill McCure on his first night, I don't know if you noticed, but every once in a while he'd say, now there's one of you out here. That is probably Didn't it just drive you nuts when he did that? Now there's one of you out here, and everybody's thinking, is it me, you know, am I looking around? Well, you know, on this subject, I think we can say, there's 103 of us out there that to one degree or another struggle with the problem of moral purity. And I really believe that we have something in common here tonight. And I think one of the things we have in common is that we really want to be finishers in the race. We want to finish our life well. We want to be finishers for God. We want to be finishers... For our wives, we want to be finishers for our kids, for our grandkids, for our parents, for our buddies in Christ. We want to be finishers, don't we? Now how many, how many of you here know of someone who has stepped out of the race, either permanently or temporarily, over a moral issue? Let's look around, guys. Practically the whole room. And so I would I would submit that we take this issue seriously if we want to be finishers. We're all running this race, and none of us know when that finish line is going to pop up in front of us, do we? We don't know. And where do we want to be when that happens? We want to be finishers. We want to be hanging in there in our walk with God. The things that we learned today from Gail in terms of our walk with God getting the word of God in our life living it out being obedient to the word walking close with him and I think that one of the issues that happens is this whole area of sexual immorality by the time it gets to the point of being public it's already affected a lot of people It doesn't just affect one person. Our society has become very pervasive. It's everywhere. Sexual immorality in as many different forms is even being defined as acceptable behavior. The media makes it difficult for us at best. It's hard to find something decent to watch on TV. And unlike years past, we don't get much restraint from society. In this area, we recognize our propensity towards sin in this area, and it's pervasive. I heard a guy say, uh, "Why didn't God give men and women the same sex drive? Because we wouldn't get anything done. We wouldn't get anything done." And it's an area that if we don't recognize that we're susceptible, we're just setting ourselves up. And what I'd like to do tonight is review four principles that hopefully will help us in this area. You see that okay? You might want to jot those down. We'll come back to them, though, periodically. We'll deal with his first one. Let's turn to First Corinthians chapter ten. First Corinthians chapter ten and verse twelve. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands. Take heed, lest he fall. We are all vulnerable, and we need to recognize that we're vulnerable. We need to know ourselves. We need to know our temptations. We need to know the things that drive our emotions. Not everyone's wired the same way. We move ourselves into trouble in many different ways. The one thing is for sure. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens a little bit at a time. It's progressive. It's insidious in nature. Webster's defines insidious as awaiting a chance to entrap. Treacherous. Harmful but enticing. Seductive. Having a gradual and cumulative effect. Subtle. And then it says, with respect to an insidious disease developing so gradually as to be well established before becoming apparent. Men, it is insidious. And it is something that creeps up on us. I've talked with men many times who by the time that they realized they were in danger, They were so far into the relationship that they weren't willing to walk away. And I would suggest that what Satan wants us to do is just take one more step. He's very patient. He wants to move us one more step in that direction. And one step is... getting us to think that we're above it. If we get to the point where we think that we're not vulnerable, we've just played into Satan's hands. We are very vulnerable. And we need to be aware of that. Jerry White, in his book Honesty, Morality, and Conscience, says, Overt sexual sin is conceived in the mind developed in various pre-sexual experiences, and finally becomes a reality when given opportunity. Many times it starts with the emotions. Gail alluded to it today. Eye contact, the wrong kind of touch with the wrong intentions. We thrive on the emotional attachment. I had a friend who got involved with another woman, neighbor down the street, and the whole thing started because she wanted some counsel. She was having some struggles, and she went to him, and he felt needed, and so he counseled her, and then he counseled her again. And one thing led to another, and very gradually, over a protracted period of time, it finally culminated in an affair. The person ended up losing his family, three kids, his wife, and the whole thing started with an emotional yoking that took place that was so insidious that I am absolutely convinced that the person didn't really see it coming. This person, by all outward appearances, was walking with God. Attended conferences just like this. So it's insidious, men. We need to watch out for it. Before we move to the second one, we'll do the same thing. Anybody has any interaction? I know this is a topic you may want to interact on. You may not want to, but feel free to jump in. Any comments at this point before we move to the second principle? If any of your comments are personal in nature, please direct them to Winston. Okay, let's move to the second one. The first is to realize that we're vulnerable. The second is to consider the consequences. Consider the consequences. Galatians 6-7. Be not deceived, for God is not mocked. What a man sows, that he will also reap. Sobering verse, isn't it? But we know it's true. Think of what you consider dear to you. Think of all that you consider dear to you. And that's what you lay on the line when you move in this direction. 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may be recompensed for the deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. There's a consequence. We're accountable. We're going to give an account to God. But we're accountable to those around us as well. The consequences of our actions in this area will never be isolated to just us. None of us has the luxury of living as an island, do we? We're going to affect the people around us. So we need to think through the consequences. I remember when our kids were at home uh, in the teenage years, and they talk about dating, and and, uh, one of the things that we tried to get our kids to do was to think through the consequences of their actions. I'm sure that could relate to that. Just think it through. Don't make a decision and then just, we'll find out later what happens. Think about it. If I make this decision, if I go down this path, what's the likely outcome gonna be? Do I want that outcome? Think through the consequences. So before you push the button on the computer and click up the, the pornography or something on the internet, think about where that may lead. Think about whether or not you're, you're just moving one more step. You say, well, I'm just going to look at it for a minute. I'm going to turn it off. And I'll never go beyond that. We're foolish if we believe that. Because it's just one step in the direction of moving further and further into this area. And we used to tell our kids, when you're dating... I can't biblically tell you that you can't go up to this point, but I can tell you that you'll get to a certain point and you won't be able to turn back. And we know that's true. So let's not play into the hand. Don't put your foot in the water. Satan gets a toehold, a foothold, and that's a way of life. And guys... I don't know how many people in this room are maybe really struggling with this area, but I know that about, I don't know, Winston, what was it, maybe five years ago when we did this at Lost Valley, it was amazing the number of guys that were struggling in a serious manner with this whole area. It just just came out of the woodworks. Phone calls when we got back to San Diego had another fellow with me and we did a workshop and he shared some personal experiences of things he's really struggled with in the area of pornography and just what that led to. And I remember him saying that he he would sit in his office and by the time 2 o'clock came around, his mind had already gone to what he was going to do when 5 o'clock came. And it plagued him. And he couldn't get away from it. It was so, so insidious, the way it grabbed a hold of them. Think through the implications of our actions. Do whatever it takes to protect ourselves. For me, many times I have reviewed in my mind. I have four kids. We're very close as a family. They're all married now. I have grandkids. Many times I've reviewed in my mind what it would be like if I were to move out in that direction, get involved in sexual sin, get involved in an affair with someone. What it would be like to sit around our living room and talk to my kids about it, because I gotta tell you, they would not let me off the hook. We'd be, we definitely would be talking about it. And the mere thought of that gathering, It's just enough to make me sick. It's enough to, to just put the fear of God in me. Now, I ought to be afraid of meeting God with that issue. But sometimes we need things that are a little closer. And all I can say is whatever it takes and whatever works for each one of us is what we should do. But I would encourage you to think about those things that are most dear to you, your family, your wives, your kids, your closest friends, your brothers in Christ, and just think about what you're risking to move in this area. You say, well, I'm not going in the area of an affair. I'm just out here dabbling on the perimeter. Don't kid yourself. People will tell you it's just a matter of time. Satan's very patient. a long time move you one more step in that direction the fellow that I mentioned lost all relationship with his kids lost his relationship with his wife of course and two years ago had a heart attack on a uh, uh, lift chair at a ski resort and died and we look at Galatians 6-7 and we need to take it to heart God is not mocked whatsoever a man sows that he shall also reap look at King David we know that he fell in this area We know that God, later on in his life, said that David was a man after his own heart. God is ready and committed to forgive and restore the truly repentant. But we're foolish if we think that God is going to remove the consequences. And if you look at the life of David, the carnage, from his sin with Bathsheba is a mile long. David and Bathsheba's first son died. His daughter was raped by another son of his. David lost the respect of his friends. David's second son by by Bathsheba, Solomon, who succeeded him to the throne, struggled with many of the same things. And the list goes on and on and on. There's like 30 items that the bible brings out 20 or 30 items in david's life alone that were direct consequences to his actions this is the end of side 1 please turn the tape over for side 2 proverbs 27:12 says a prudent man sees evil and hides himself the naive proceed and pay the penalty. Don't start down the path without taking a look at where it's leading. Don't start down the path. Just stay away from it. Any comments before we move to the third one? Okay? Over
1: yes. Over here, Skip. Harry. Is have have a a a there, Harry. In David's life, when Nathan confronted him with the parable, David said the man ought to be killed. When actually the law was... You, re- you steal something, you restore fourfold. There were four of David's, um, four people in David's family who fell because of sexual sin. God exacted a price, and it was exactly the right price. Very expensive. Yes. Yes.
2: Obviously, excuse me. Obviously, I know that uh, serving the Lord and honoring Him first is what counts. That's what we have to look at with consequences. But there was a survey taken <clears throat> that said 25 percent of the men that leave their house in the morning kiss their, kiss their wives goodbye. <clears throat> but those men who leave their wives, 95 percent of them kiss their houses goodbye. <clears throat> and and I think of. The consequences, and, and from an investment standpoint, counseling with um, clients, <clears throat> I ask them, "How would you, you know, what would you think if you woke up the next morning and 50% of your investments were gone?" And they, you know, obviously the response is not too favorable. And we, and I, it gives me an opportunity to at least witness, you know, that's what we need a good marriage for.
0: I would say whatever motivates you. Kim?
1: Can, can I make a comment, Skip, on something less than pornography or uh, lust? Uh, because I don't, to me, there's been some information out there that's been a- almost more damaging to me, and I just wanted to share if I could. Uh, in the last year or so, just kind of, I just sensed the joy in my life was, uh, had lessened, and, it caused me to really search my life to see if there's any uh, any sin. I, there, there was nothing about pornography or relations or anything like that. And I was led to Philippians 4.8, where it talked about whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is lovely. Let your mind dwell on these things. And I started uh, uh, contrasting that uh, verse with all the information that's coming at me from various sources during the course of a day, from... And I just had to take a hard look at the newspaper that's coming into my house, the TV that's coming into my house, and uh, uh, what's coming in on the internet or the email. It, it wasn't anything near any of these things we're talking about. But I have to tell you, that 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 information was not lovely. It was not pure. It was not holy, and it it had a very serious effect on me. So I don't. I don't think you're suggesting at all that that we're worried about. We should be concerned about the neighbor's wife or or pornography. There's there's information out there that's this equally destructive, but of a maybe of a lesser form.
0: Yeah, that's an excellent point. And I, wherever we are, that's that's where we want to make sure that we we're dealing with. And if it's just that the mind is starting to. To float off in areas it shouldn't, or it's dwelling and thinking on things that don't meet the criteria of Philippians 4:8, and then that becomes to have an effect. You see, it's just one. That's the that's maybe the the, the little toehold. That's the little toe in the water, but then it's the foot, and then it's a the way of life. And the next thing you know, you can't unravel the thing, and you got to nip it in the bud. That's why we wanted to have this talk. We just, this is just a awareness session, really. Let's just be aware of this. And I know we're aware that we're vulnerable, and I know we're aware that we're tempted in these areas, but are we really aware of the potential implication of it, and where it could lead, and where it's led with so many men? Three quarters of the room raised their hands. And probably at least 50% of us would would (coughs) say there have been multiple people that we've known. That have fallen in this area. And so that's a good point, Kim. Wherever you are, it could be the smallest thing, but nip it in the bud. And it has to do with our walk with God and keeping that right. Okay, let's look at the third principle. Which is to develop convictions. Romans 14... Twenty-two. The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. Gail was talking about this with us this morning. And this is really the same basic principle laid out in a little different way. You remember Gail's basic guidelines of the absolutes and, and the fact that, uh, you know, that's pretty much the, the, the uh, court that we're to play in. and We develop these areas that kind of hold us back from the edge. Well, that's really what we're saying here. We've got convictions. And we've got the absolute commands. The flow of our life, which is our purpose, We want to keep from breaking through these these, uh, absolute commands. To assist us in that, we develop convictions. The convictions help to keep us from falling. The convictions give us that buffer zone. The convictions help us not to live on the edge of the cliff. They're basically, they enable us to To hedge our bet in terms of being finishers for God. Just like the commands of God, convictions can work for our good. They protect us by helping to keep us from breaking the absolute commands. Essentially, though, we've got to define our purpose in order to establish convictions. If our purpose is not defined, if we haven't determined what we want our life to consist of, then what are we we trying to protect it from? Those of us here, we want our life to consist of a life that would glorify God. A life that would be a life of meaning and of purpose and would end up glorifying God. And that means that we have to then live within the biblical absolutes. And so we bring in the area of convictions. A good exercise for us to do would be to list a number of the key absolutes that we see in Scripture. And by absolutes, we're not just talking about the couple of the Ten Commandments that were stated negatively. There are a lot of absolutes in the Bible. Anytime you see a command that is given in an an imperative manner. That becomes an absolute. Take those absolutes and then ask yourself, is this an area where I need to have some convictions? Is this an area where I need to have a buffer zone? Is this an area where I need to draw the line a little bit further in than where God draws it? And if so, develop the conviction or two. There may be some absolutes where we look at it and we say, you know, I don't really feel like I need to draw the line. I don't really need to have any convictions in this. I can pretty much walk out to the edge of the court in this area if it's an area that we're not particularly tempted in. But walk through that. I remember a fellow that I was involved with about ten years ago, and he had become just become a Christian, about two or three years old in the Lord. And we were talking one time, and he asked me, he said, um, I understand that I, I, I've stopped having any kind of sexual relations. Single, he was a single person. But he said, is it okay if I still sleep in the same bed with the gal, as long as I don't have sexual relations? Now, biblically, there's nothing that would say that he can't sleep in the same bed, single person. But practically, guys, how many of us would advise him that that's a good idea? No. You can't do that. you gotta, you got to draw that line back. Certain things that are going to be wrong for us, and we need the aid of convictions, places where we draw the line closer than God does in order to guard us against giving in to the temptation. The verse here in uh 1 Corinthians 6:12 All things are lawful for me but not all things are profitable. We need to determine those things that are not profitable. Those things that might lead us in a direction that we don't want to go. It is up to each one of us to know ourselves, to know where we are most vulnerable and to develop convictions in order to safeguard us from sin. And the fourth point, the fourth principle is to maintain accountability. I know you're hearing some of this stuff over and over this weekend, but that's good for us. Ecclesiastes 4.10, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Ecclesiastes 4.9 and 10. We really are foolish if we think we can be islands, aren't we? If we think we can just make it on our own. We need each other. We desperately need each other. We're our own worst enemy. The assumption is that we can make it through and that we can be finishers for God but that we need each other to get there. We need people in our life to help keep us on track. Accountability improves our chances of success. I remember about a year ago, I was struggling with an issue. It didn't happen to be a sexual issue. It happened to be a financial issue. But I would venture to say that the two things that derail men the most is probably sex and money. And this was a money issue, and it was something I was struggling with. i worked on this project, and it came time to make some distributions, and some people that were involved, or were to be involved in the distributions, had contributed nothing to the success of the deal. And basically kind of left it in our lap to the point where they wouldn't even know there were any distributions coming. They were totally removed from the situation. So as the time came to make these distributions, I thought, well, you know, this is the, the, the right thing to do would be that we would get the distributions because we did the work. And I, the minute that happened, I couldn't believe that I was even tempted to do that. The agreement was clear. We were to split the distributions. A couple days went by. Thought about it again. By, about it again. I thought, this is this is wrong. You know, sharing this profit, and we did all the work, and we spent our overhead. This this is wrong. And then and then the Holy Spirit just hit me again. What are you thinking? What is wrong with you? He came up a third time a couple days later. And I, 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 I finally I decided to reach for the for the uh, for the lifesaver. And I said, you know, I, I cannot run the risk of doing this. So I picked up the phone and I called a fella who I've been involved with for a number of years and accountability relationship. And I told him what I was struggling with. And I said, distributions are due to be made on Thursday. I want you to do me a favor. Put on your calendar to call me Friday morning and ask me what I did. And I never thought about doing it again. Because there was no way I was going to lie to this guy. Guys, I'm not proud to tell you that I had that temptation. But I'm here to tell you that that, I, that we all have these human responses, and whatever the issue is, that was a lifesaver situation for me, because I know God wouldn't have let me alone with that. I'd have been I'd have been trying to unravel that thing, and it would have been very embarrassing. Accountability is key. If we want to be finishers for God, accountability gives us the hedge that we need for the areas that we're vulnerable. It gives us the hedge that we need to have somebody be able to see blind spots that we don't see. It improves our chances of finishing the race well. Let me wrap up with this. I don't know where you guys are. There may be some people here that are way beyond what Kim talked about. You're right in the middle of it. You're playing around with pornography, or maybe worse, you're on the edge of an affair, or you know you're emotionally becoming yoked with somebody. You're taking lunches with someone that maybe you shouldn't be, you're, getting, you're putting yourself in situations alone with someone you shouldn't be, all I can say is, nip it in the bud. Bring it to a stop now. Take it before God. We're going to have communion tonight. Mark's going to lead us in communion. We're going to have a chance to pray, I'm sure, before that and bring things before God that we need to get straight. It is an opportunity to seize the moment and, and, and turn this around. If we walk out of here, don't know another time, don't know when we're going to get another chance. Now, it's unlikely that in a group this size that there aren't some of us that are struggling with some of these things. And you might say, well, yeah, I'm not. I'm kind of like him. I haven't been thinking about, you know, I'm kind of looking the wrong way a little bit or I've been, you know, whatever it is. Now's the time to nip it in the bud. And if it's serious, if you're really in serious trouble, you gotta get help. Gotta get help and turn it around. There may be people here and you may say, you know what? That's fine what you're saying, but it's too late for me. And I just want to end by saying it's never too late. It's never too late to get back up. A key part of finishing the race is making sure that we get back up when we fall. We all fall. There is none righteous, no not one. We have all fallen. We have all got things that we can look back on in our life that we are not pleased about. Some that we're downright embarrassed about. Ashamed of. The key is we get back up. We get back in the race. And we move forward from where we are now. And God is wants to pick us up, dust us off, and put us back on course with Him. It's impossible to eliminate the sexual temptations in our world, but we can minimize the risk if we realize that we're vulnerable if we really consider the implications and the consequences, if we develop some convictions that will give us some protection, give us a little bit better advantage than what we have, and if we'll get some accountability in our life to help us through the process. Let's pray. Lord, we are... So susceptible in this area, so vulnerable, and so desperate for you to help us. Lord, I pray that as we've looked at your word tonight, as we've exposed this issue of sexual immorality, that we would be men that would walk away from this, and be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. God help us. Give us the strength to do what is right. Give us the strength to surrender the whole issue to you and to get back on the right path. Help us, Lord, to be finishers in the race of life.